The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Let's Get Radical is brought to you by Avalara, sales tax automation for businesses of all sizes. Visit us on the web at avalara.com. That's A-V-A-L-A-R-A.com. Welcome to the business show that will change the way you look at your business practice, your organization, and yourself. This is Let's Get Radical with Liz Gold and Jody Paydar. On today's show, you'll get the straight scoop on what it means to be radical and how it can help you become the next success story. Now, here are your hosts, Jody and Liz. Hey, Liz, are you ready? Jody, I'm totally ready. Let's do it. Awesome. So we're going to be talking about video gaming today. Do you video, video game? Uh, you know, not so, this is going to embarrass myself, but it's not since Super Mario Brothers or Zelda. Like, and I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not a big gamer, but I'm super excited to learn about gaming because I know it's a thing. It's a big thing. Well, it's a whole industry, and I think it's surprise. It was really surprising to me to understand really how big of an industry it is, and I don't know why I should be surprised because my 15 year old son. Is always playing a game. So um, I don't know why it surprised me, but it really is, you know, a huge industry. Yeah, I it's it's kind of amazing. I guess I don't, I, I'm so not in the industry that it's like, oh yeah, that, of course that makes sense. People are making video games. There's artists, there's writers, there's designers, there's marketing. You know, I, I can't even imagine all of the different elements, right? Right. So we're so lucky today because our guest today is actually like a superstar in the whole gaming industry. And um, (laughs) I'm going to give her a a really formal introduction. But Whitney Beltran Strix is a writer and narrative designer for analog and video game scripts and features. And she's written for studios, um, Undead Labs, Oxpath and Crack Course Films. And she's actually an expert in world building and narrative design and holds a master's in mythological studies, which I didn't even know you could get. And she's done all this stuff with um, actually research around it and how um, it has a really big effect on psychology. And she did research with Carnegie Mellon's Human Computer Interaction Institute on Technology. And she learned, well, she talked about live action role playing, which is a whole like special genre of gaming um, that we'll have her tell us about because I don't know all that much about it. And but what's really cool about her and why I really wanted to have her on the show is because um, she did she's written a game and she's co-created a game called uh, Bluebeard's Bride. But she did a Kickstarter campaign on it, and she put it up, and she thought she'd get $5,000 to help her, and she ended up raising nearly $130,000 to help her create the game. It's incredible. And, and that's awesome. So that, I mean, to me, that's like the whole business transformation part of it that I really want to talk about on our show today. So without any further ado, Whitney, welcome to the show. Hi, Jody and Liz. It's great to be speaking with you. Thank you so much for inviting me. Um, I'm not sure how infamous I am in the video game world, um, but it was certainly nice to be uh, introduced <laughs> that way. 
Yeah, maybe we should start with the definition of video game and gaming. I mean, there's pro- there's a difference, right? I mean, I'm not, or no. There's, there's huge there's, differences, okay. uh, actually. Okay, okay good. So, See, oh, yeah. Set the record straight. <laughs> yeah, set the record. Let's, let's go to 101, gaming 101 right now. Okay, <laughs> gaming 101. So um, there are lots of different types of games. Right? There's games that you play at casinos, which are about risk and chance. Um, there are games that you play that are video games or board games. We call those analog games when they're not video games, where it could also be a purely chance, like racing game. But then there are also narrative games, and that is games that tell stories. And that's where my expertise really lies, is in narrative play, where a person or people are engaging with a story as they play a game to either work towards seeing how it unfolds or creating that narrative whole cloth through the mechanics of the game itself. So there's lots of different kinds of games. They're all awesome. But narrative games, games that tell stories, are my bread and butter. Okay, got it. And so this is through technology, correct? I'm asking very, very baseline <laughs> questions here, so you're going to have to forgive me. Or no, is it totally fine. live role play, or how does that work? How, what's the so, medium, I guess, the question? Yeah. There, are, there are several mediums, and the mm-hmm. two mediums that I, well, three mediums, there we go, that I primarily work with are video games. So video games can be played on a console that's something like an Xbox or a PS4 or a Nintendo Wii. Um, Then there are um, video games that you play on computers or in the arcade. So those are all video games. Um, Then there are analog games. And again, those are the non-video games, stuff that happens in real life. Um, Out of the analog games branch, I focus in two areas, and that is RPGs. And that stands for role-playing game. So mm-hmm. that's games like Dungeons and Dragons, right? Everyone knows mm-hmm. Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. Um, but also something called a LARP, L-A-R-P-S, LARP. Um, and that mm-hmm. stands for live-action role-playing games. So that's a lot like Dungeons and Dragons, and, but instead of sitting at a table, you're actually walking around and talking and acting like you are that character doing that thing. Wow, so cool. That's so cool. So really I mean, fun. thank you, thank <laughs> you for that explanation. I feel like I have a good basis now. Of, um, so I mean, how did you how did you get into this? Like, what was your what drew you in? What, what oh, like gosh. what initially attracted you to gaming? Well, you know, I think it runs in my my blood. My mother um, is a huge Lord of the Rings fan, and my father. She's going to be so embarrassed. My father had to convince her not to name me Arwen when I was born. So, um, nerddom runs pretty heavily in my family. Um, and she also raised me with a lot of multicultural um, folk tales and children's mm-hmm. stories. So, I grew up with things like Hiawatha, um, which is an indigenous story, and the Seven Chinese Brothers, and um, all kinds of fairy tales from all over the world. So... When I became a preteen teenager, um, my adolescence was kind of at the same time as the adolescence of the Internet was happening. So it was like a Wild West kind of thing where you could find little niches and fall into them. And what I found was a community of people who were playing games online, but they weren't playing video games. They were playing um, RPGs, which, again, is role-playing games. 
And they did this thing where one person would post, like, a paragraph of text, and then the next person in the little group would post the next paragraph, and then the person after that would post the next paragraph, and you'd go back and forth. Wow. What you were doing was you were creating a story together. So my character would do this and this, and then your character would do that and that. And it was a very um, native way of playing what eventually became an obsession with role-playing games, ones that had rules. What I was playing didn't have rules, at least not any explicit ones. But what it evolved into was a love for collaborative storytelling, which I definitely have to this day. Wow, that's amazing. And so and, you, yeah, go ahead. And Jenna. from my understanding, Strix, you're kind of a rock star in the whole gaming industry because I know like I've caught you on, I don't know if it's YouTube or Facebook Live and I've like just peered in and you have all these um, fans and followers and they're all interested in your stories as well, correct? Uh, so again, rock star is a very kind term, um, <laughs> but I have, I have several things going on. So um, one is I work for a studio called um, Hyper Rabbit Power Go, or Hyper RPG for short. And uh, Hyper RPG is a media channel that works through Twitch. And Twitch is a live streaming platform. Hmm. So um, I actually work on two shows for them. Um, One is my show. It's called Weekly Affirmations. And it's a show about the exploration of indie so non-traditional, uh, and free-form analog games, so the, the pen and paper ones, Dungeons and & Dragons and the LARPs. Um, and then the other show that I'm on is called <laughs> Death from Above, and it is uh, a show about Battletech, which is an IP about basically people driving giant robots in space and battling each other. Um, so I get a lot of exposure through Hyper RPG, which is fantastic. Um, but then I also do a lot of other things in games. So as you mentioned, and I'm sure we'll talk about in detail later, um, I'm a designer and a writer, so I did Bluebeard's Bride. Um, I worked on State of Decay 2 for Undead Labs. Um, I've done a lot of publishing. And then I'm also an academic. So I've written peer-reviewed papers for very stodgy journals that most people don't read about uh, games and gone to a lot of academic conferences, a lot of fan conferences, and then finally, because again, it's exhaustive, um, I run a group called Gaming as Other. And Gaming mm-hmm. as Other is just basically a group of people who are interested in um, making gaming friendly and accessible to people from minority backgrounds. So women, mm-hmm. Hispanic folks, black folks, people who are maybe foreign, who feel like they don't have a place in the gaming niche. My work is to help open up um, the gaming space through advocacy uh, and through... Um, consultation with companies and individuals. So I do all things gaming, um, which is probably why I have this reputation. <laughs> wow. I know. I have like so many follow-up questions and I'm like, okay, we have three minutes. Um, what can I, <laughs> what can I ask? <laughs> but, uh, you know, is there, is there a part of it that you, what is there a favorite part of it or do all the different pieces sort of feed different parts of your personality? Um, I think I've said this before, but, you know, we are all multitudes. So mm-hmm. on one hand, I'm a performer. On the other hand, I'm a creator, and that's very powerful. On the third hand, I'm an enabler, and I let other people uh, enjoy the thing that I want to share with them, which is fantastic. So I don't know. Probably the creative bit is my favorite part, the writing and the, and the, the construction of worlds to share with other people, but I love all of it. 
Yeah. And and how big is gaming, is the gaming industry? I mean, in terms of, you know, and maybe Jody, I don't know if you know this, but like you, the amount of money that is being floated around in the, in the gaming industry, like, w- do we know, do we have numbers? I should have probably looked that up, uh, but, it's, but it's huge. Um, so yeah. video games in particular is a, is a billion dollar industry. And I'm not sure if Jody pulled the numbers, but it's, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a lot. And so um, when we come back from our break, let's talk about um, your Kickstarter and and how that happened and, and sort of the success. Like, and if you, you know, we'll talk about that. And also I want to talk about the advocacy group that you're um, involved in, um, Gaming as Other. So um, stay tuned and we'll be right back. it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Advance and evolve. Liz Gold, owner of Rhino Girl Media, provides a wide range of services to those looking to get their message out into the world. Her specialty is simplifying the complex, finding the juice in any story, and helping people find their voice. Rhino Girl Media is a communications and media company that promotes the innovative and creative work of business people, independent artists, and nonprofit organizations. For writing, editing, blog posts, web content, press releases, branded content, and consulting, visit rhinogirlmedia.com. Are you a small business ready to work remotely with a CPA who is passionate and radical? New Vision CPA Group is a firm that understands the latest cloud technologies and will work with you for a fixed monthly price. We understand that tax and accounting are important, but the everyday insight into your financial data that helps you make critical financial decisions is priceless. We're with you every step of the way at New Vision CPA Group. Visit newvisioncpagroup.com today for more information. Tax compliance can be a pain for businesses, but Avalara's powerful tax automation technology simplifies sales tax and other business taxes with real-time tax calculation and automatic return filing. It's simple to get started because Avalara works inside your accounting, e-commerce, and point-of-sale systems. That's why thousands of the world's best businesses outsource their tax compliance with Avalara. Shouldn't you too? Learn more at Avalara.com. That's A-V-A-L-A-R-A.com. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at VoiceAmericaTRN. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Let's Get Radical with Jody Paydar and Liz Gold. To reach the show today, please call 1 866 472 5790. Again, that's 1 866 472 790. You may also send an email to Jody and Liz at Let's Get Radical.org. Now, back to the show. 
Welcome back to Let's Get Radical. I'm Liz Gold, and I'm here with Jody Paydar. And our guest today is the gamer Strix. And uh, we're talking all about gaming, which I'm getting a very great education on. And so, so Strix, you know, you you facilitated a really successful Kickstarter campaign. And I know, like, a lot of people who have creative projects look to Kickstarter to fund them. Um, you know, your ask was five grand and you ended up like raking in 130 grand and this was recent. So, Mm -hmm. you know, to, to support your game, um, Bluebirds, I'm sorry, Bluebeard's Bride. So how did you do that? And, and, you know, what were your goals starting out and did you, were you just like, what was your response to all the money coming in? Those are all great questions. So, um, (laughs) Bluebeard's Bride actually originated out of a game jam. And what a game jam is, is when a bunch of people get in a room and they jam, like a jazz session, and they try to figure out what kind of game to make. Um, So I went to a game jam at a convention a couple years ago, and I just happened to sit next to a woman I didn't know. Her name was Sarah Richardson. And so when we started the game jam, we were like, cool, you know, I'm Strix, I'm Sarah, what do we have in common? What do we want to write? And I was like, well, I have a degree in mythological studies. And she was like, I love fairy tales. And we were like, great, let's do a fairy tale game. Um, Mm -hmm. And then we sat there for a minute and we thought about it. And I was like, aha, I know what I want to do. Let's do Bluebeard. And her response to that was, yes. (laughs) (laughs) So um, we started cracking on Bluebeard. And then one of the facilitators of the jam, her name is Marissa Kelly, came over to uh, help us out but she soon got engrossed in the idea as well. And by the time that two-hour session was over, we knew we had something very special, and we decided that we were going to do something with this game, uh, Hell or High Water. And so we just started working. Um, We lived in three different cities, San Diego, um, somewhere in New Mexico, and then Chicago. And so we got online, and we had weekly meetings, and we plugged away, and we play-tested the game. And we worked on it, and we wrote it out. And then when it was about 98% done, that is when we decided to do the Kickstarter. Um, For RPGs and analog games, it's actually very important to have your product done or almost mostly done before you Kickstart. Um, Mm -hmm. People in the past have been burned by folks who have said they're going to make a game and then don't. Um, mm-hmm. And then they've, al- they've also been burned by waiting too long. If you can't get your product out after you have sold it, people are going to be very unhappy with you. So um, we ended up signing with a publishing company called Magpie Games. Uh, Magpie was very interested in what we had created, and they wanted to, to be the distributor for us. So as part of that, Magpie did the majority of actually running the logistics of the Kickstarter and mm-hmm. our jobs were to, you know, promote our butts off. I did so many interviews during that time. It was almost a, a full-time job on top of my other full-time job. Um, and then to keep interest up. So I played the game on my own show on Twitch that we mentioned on Hyper RPG. Um, Sarah uh, demonstrated the game as well. Marissa worked her butt off. And it was a really great experience. Um, as you mentioned, we had a very modest ask of 5K because that was the bottom minimum that we needed to publish the game um, because we felt very strongly about our game. We felt it was magical and special and we wanted to share with, with people. We just wanted to make sure that it got out, that it lived, essentially. And I remember on the first day that the Kickstarter launched, we hit our goal like before I even woke up because I'm on the West Coast, (laughs) and it had launched East Coast time in the morning. 
And then by around 2 or 3 o'clock, it hit something like twenty or $30,000. And I almost passed out. Like, wow, <laughs> I, I was sitting in my desk at work looking at the screen going, oh, my God, like, what is happening? And I had a little bit of a meltdown. <laughs> <laughs> you did? What happened? <laughs> uh, I cried. I absolutely yeah. cried. Um, and it was this moment of, it was a very powerful thing because in the tabletop industry, it's still largely dominated by men, publishers and designers. And we were a team of all women who came up with a game on our own, who made it by ourselves. And it was about Bluebeard's Bride, which is a feminist fairy tale game. And the fact that other people thought it was valuable, wanted to play it, were willing to support it was just deeply powerful and touching, um, not just for us, the three designers, but for other women in the space watching this Kickstarter be successful. I had people emailing me going, oh my gosh, I'm so excited I'm going to make my own game, or I'm so excited my wife wants to make her own game, etc. Um, and then after wow. that, it was just a roller coaster. Like, um, I was thinking, okay, that's really awesome. It's never going to hit 60K. It's never going to do that. And then it did that in a week. <laughs> Yeah. And then I was like, yeah. it's never going to hit 100K. And then it hit 100K and I lost my marble. <laughs> well, so when we, I when watched we finally... it happen. So, like, I watched her, like, be a Facebook happen. And I don't know, you had done a couple of videos or whatever. And mm-hmm. I was amazed or watching. I, it was just so exciting, too, watching you be successful. So, I have to say, like, that was really cool to watch you um, and to watch itself become successful, which, you know, you hear about Kickstarters, like, flipping, but, like, to, to not know or like to be part of it was exciting as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it was just, it was such a valuable experience and I'm so glad that, you know, I had the privilege of it working out, but there was a lot of hard work that went into the Kickstarter from multiple parties way before it ever launched. Um, we did full media blitzes contacting, you know, hundreds of outlets. Um, mm-hmm. We worked up to it for months. And that is what it takes to run a successful Kickstarter. You just can't throw something up and hope people throw money at it. It takes strategy and time. And what I, I mean, I love that this project, you know, you essentially went to a conference and you sat down, you went to a workshop and you sat down next to somebody and you started collaborating with them and the teacher came over and you started collaborating with the instructor. And then all of a sudden you're like, this is something special. We're going to keep working on it. You know, I mean, I think it's just Isn't that crazy. To, I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, I think it just speaks to a, the power of conferencing and, and networking and, you know, going with an energy that you feel like is worth pursuing, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And I also, I, you know, the idea of you guys asking for five grand to sort of cover what you needed to publish, you know, I'm curious now that you have the money that you do, how is that going to scale up your project? Mm-hmm. So uh, like every good Kickstarter, we had pre-planned stretch goals, which means mm-hmm. if you go a certain amount over the cap of the Kickstarter, a new aspect becomes unlocked. And so um, our stretch goals were things like additional content, things like a prettier cover for the book, um, mm-hmm. re- <laughs> refunding us for what we spent on the art, which was a lot because mm-hmm. the art is mm-hmm. gorgeous and amazing and absolutely worth it. But we definitely spent a pretty penny. Um, and um, making sure that they had really robust selections to choose from. So if they wanted the PDF plus a hardcover, a PDF plus two hardcovers or extra dice because it's a game that uses dice. 
they can get the Bluebeard dice or they can get the um, ring because there is um, an engagement ring that the bride wears that gets passed around the table so they could get the official Bluebeard's bride ring. So it enabled us to basically manufacture a lot of extras with the extra money. Wow. And so where where are you with it today in terms of um, the campaign and the project and rolling it out? Mm-hmm. So um, the campaign is buttoned up. The text is buttoned up because, again, it was done when we started. Um, and now we are in the process of um, getting straightened out all the backer rewards. So emails went out um, at the beginning of last week, um, getting everything sorted, and then um, the hardcover is going to be coming actually fairly soon. So when you say hardcover, it's a hardcover, but what is the actual product like that you created? So it sounds like it's multiple products. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the product that we created is a book. The book okay. tells you how to run the game and gives you resources for playing, character sheets, all of that stuff. In addition, there are some extras that we got to produce because of how much money we made right. with the mm-hmm. um, extra goals that we had. So that's things like dice. Um, it's things like a tarot card deck filled with the characters that you might encounter. Um, which is actually pretty cool, Um, and um, extra supplements. So that's extra game materials. Like instead of Bluebeard's Bride happening in the traditional spooky mansion, it could happen in a jazz club in New Orleans or in a prison. And it gives you sort of the um, creative juice, the ideas to run that. That's what a supplement is. Um, And then like fun extras, like if you paid a whole lot of money, you got a little lantern to light um, as sort of like Bluebeard paraphernalia. So the core product is the book to play the game. And then there's a bunch of fun extras that you can have but don't need in order to run the game um, if you would like to purchase those. And, and now if you didn't participate in the Kickstarter, will your game be available for people to purchase in the future? Oh, yeah, good question. How, good how does that work? Yes. So the answer is absolutely. Um, this is going to be... So Kickstarters, the the idea of Kickstarting is that you get your stuff first. So the Kickstarters are going to get their rewards first. Uh, And then when we go to production, um, this is going to be distributed, uh, distributed, there we go, um, publicly to gaming stores throughout the U.S. So gaming stores, what I mean by that is game stores that sell games that like Dungeons & Dragons or board games. So here in Seattle, that would be uh, stores like um, the Mox Sporting House, if anyone in the area is familiar with that. But anywhere where you'd find, like, Wizards of the Coast products or Paizo products, if you're a gamer, you know what that means. Um, but basically, we're all, where you buy gaming books, that's where you would buy us. Great. Fantastic. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to continue talking uh, with Strix all about um, gaming and the minority advocacy group she founded, um, Gaming as Other. So stay tuned. business you'll find the experts here voice america business network tax compliance can be a pain for businesses but avalara's powerful tax automation technology simplifies sales tax and other business taxes with real-time tax calculation and automatic return filing 
It's simple to get started because Avalara works inside your accounting, e-commerce, and point-of-sale systems. That's why thousands of the world's best businesses outsource their tax compliance with Avalara. Shouldn't you too? Learn more at avalara.com. That's A-V-A-L-A-R-A dot com. Are you a small business ready to work remotely with a CPA who is passionate and radical? New Vision CPA Group is a firm that understands the latest cloud technologies and will work with you for a fixed monthly price. We understand that tax and accounting are important, but the everyday insight into your financial data that helps you make critical financial decisions is priceless. We're with you every step of the way at New Vision CPA Group. Visit newvisioncpagroup.com today for more information. Advance and evolve. Liz Gold, owner of Rhino Girl Media, provides a wide range of services to those looking to get their message out into the world. Her specialty is simplifying the complex, finding the juice in any story, and helping people find their voice. Rhino Girl Media is a communications and media company that promotes the innovative and creative work of business people, independent artists, and nonprofit organizations. For writing, editing, blog posts, web content, press releases, branded content, and consulting, visit rhinogirlmedia.com. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Let's Get Radical with Jody Paydar and Liz Gold. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-790. You may also send an email to Jody and Liz at letsgetradical.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. I'm Jody Paydar, and I'm here with Liz Gold, and you are listening to Let's Get Radical. And before we get going into um, my favorite segment of the show, where we really get into the business and the operations um, of our guests, is um, we have to give a quick shout out to Intuit um, as a thank you for sponsoring our show. So thank you, Intuit. Um, we're here today talking with Strix, who is a gamer, and she did her whole Kickstart or campaign. And she essentially published a game. And so I guess my question for you is, is what's the business side of it? So you've, you've been all creative. You created the board game. You've created the add-on products and um, all the things through the Kickstarter. How do you guys keep track of it organizationally? And how do you, like, count the money, I'll say? Because ultimately, when you start selling stuff, now you have a business. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, my answer is probably not going to satisfy you, Jody, because this is exactly why we signed with a publisher with Magpie Games. So Sarah, Marissa, and I, luckily, uh, as creators, are mostly off the hook when it comes to shipping logistics and having to keep track of the account, because um, that's why Magpie gets to take a slice of the pie. 
Um, so Magpie is our publishing company that we signed with um, before the Kickstarter, and they are really in charge of that. Um, they'll occasionally reach out to us to let us know, you know, how many volumes are going out, um, what certain aspects look like. But the day-to-day grind, I get to focus on creating new games, and Magpie gets to focus on doing the work of keeping the accounts. So, so actually, I think that's really good because I think it it's smart because you know where like your strengths are, and then you say, okay, let the publisher handle the business side of it. And so, then are you compensated via a royalty? Yes. So yeah, so I I I think that's a good business model to be in if um, you're really a creative and that's where your concern is because I think too many times um, people think that they can do it all and then kind of it gets kind of lost but like you know they yeah they I've actually seen that happen to other indie game designers so I, I have a full-time job I work in tech startup <laughs> and <laughs> to try to manage a a tabletop publishing company on on top of that would be unmanageable I just wouldn't be able to do it and I have seen other indie designers unfortunately fall into the quagmire of trying to run their own logistics when it might have been a better idea to sign with a publisher now, there, it goes back and forth. Some people believe that indie is indie and you should publish your own game. And other people like me just don't have the time to do that. Um, so I think that I would much prefer to actually create something than to, than to run the numbers. That's what we have awesome CPAs for, Jody. <laughs> so um, uh, I think it's a relationship that works out really healthily uh, for me and my circumstances. No, that, that, that's great. I guess, yeah, and I was just going to ask, you know, when you were thinking about getting together with Magpie and and partnering with them, what what were you looking for in a publisher? I mean, I guess the question is, were you looking for a publisher and what did you, Mm -hmm. what kind of qualities did you need them to have in order for you to feel like it was a good match? So we definitely were working for a publisher, looking for a publisher, um, because we knew that we did not want to take this on by ourselves. Um, For me in particular, um, the publisher needs to have a good record of getting games out on time. Um, They need to have a good public image so they're respected in the community. And their contract needs to be solid. Um, Mm -hmm. If they toss me a contract and it doesn't look like they have it together, then mm, I'm probably not going to go with that that publisher. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and does... Magpie also do, how diverse are they with what they publish also, I guess, is another question Mm -hmm. I have for you. So they publish um, tabletop role-playing games. That's their domain. Um, But they have published um, titles about superheroes. They've published titles about urban fantasy. Um, So within the genre of tabletop role-playing games, I would say that they are fairly diverse. Okay. Okay, well, and so it sounds like they handle a lot of the stuff, and basically you got, you just are able to do what you do, which is create and, you know, interact with them when needed. Um, That's about which, I, which is a good, re- which is a good relationship, right? <laughs> which gives her lots of time to work on her gaming as other, right? And to help promote um, the minority gamers. Absolutely. Yeah, so I, let's talk about that because I think it's I think it's really telling that you know three women got together and created a a game, and and the response and that you not only got money but you more the money than you asked for but you also got a lot of people reaching out to you telling them the, how much 
telling you how much they appreciated what you were doing and it was sort of paving the way for other women or, or mm-hmm. you know, people of color in the communities that felt like they couldn't or didn't necessarily have, could do it. Um, mm-hmm. So what what prompted you to sort of create this advocacy group? I mean, was there were there certain experiences that you had that sort of um, convinced you to do it? Um, how did it start? Yeah, so... I'm a Hispanic woman. My last name is Beltran. Most people can't <laughs> pronounce it. <laughs> um, yeah, including and, me. Um, living as a minority is is enough to convince me that something needs to be done. Uh, mm-hmm. So it really stems from two things. One, um, I love games, and I think everyone should be able to play games and feel welcome playing games and have a good time. Two, I had experienced sometimes, unfortunately, the exact opposite. Um, mm-hmm. I had experienced hostility. I had experienced really not nice things happening to me. And it wasn't enough to push me entirely out of game, but it was enough for me to go, okay, I think that this is important enough to fix because I don't want other people to go through the things that I have been through just to play games. Mm-hmm. So myself and uh, a few other folks got together And we were like, you know what? Let's make a concentrated effort out of this. Let's have a brand. Let's do the thing. Let's just be out and say that this is important to us. And um, it started with um, doing a series of panels at gaming conventions themselves and talking about Diversity 101 and 102 and talking about our lived experiences because the big thing about diversity and inclusion is empathy. You have to understand and um, get along with other people in order to get their lived experiences so that you don't accidentally tread on them, right, if you're coming from a place of power and privilege. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. we did a lot of panels, and and that was great, and we established ourselves, and we got the recordings down, and we had basically a body of work that we could then send to people who were asking for resources, or to point to when we were saying, hey, you know how we talked about this thing? Here's, Here's everything about it. And then from there, um, I personally started consulting with companies and individual indie designers who had questions and who were unsure or wanted to do things better or they wanted to have a piece of writing reviewed to make sure that it was sensitive, sensitivity reading um, or that they had an IP that, you know, they wanted to update because it was old, it was from the 70s and there was a lot of inherent things in there that maybe were okay at the time, but definitely weren't okay anymore. Um, mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and then from there, um, that's when I got my own show, Weekly Affirmations, on Hyper RPG, which is the Twitch streaming channel. And it has a very heavy diversity and inclusion bent to it. So I showcase games, but I also talk about how to play games safely with other people, um, how to navigate boundaries, um, the psychological effects of gaming, what you can experience, how to process it, how to be in a healthy, healthy um, hobby community, which is, I think, very important to moving this issue along. So I still do regular panels at all kinds of conventions. I do talks. Um, I go on radio shows. Uh, and mm-hmm. I um, help give people the tools, basically just to make gaming better for everyone because it's super awesome and because, it, you know, eventually it definitely helps companies with their bottom lines. If you make your uh, product more accessible, you're going to sell more games, period. Right, exactly. Um, 
And, and what was the response when you started doing this and, and when you started um, sort of getting yourself out there as um, a founder of this group? Mm-hmm. So um, if you're familiar with internet culture at all, um, you know <laughs> that it's going to be a rough ride. Um, yeah. So before even starting, I did a lot of things to, to gear up and get ready. And that meant, um, you know, protecting my identity, making sure that um, personal information was scrubbed off the Internet, um, locking down all of my passwords and all of my website stuff with two-factor authentication and all kinds of stuff so that I was prepared um, for whatever may come because you just don't know. <laughs> right, um, yeah. And um, the response from my immediate community, so other indie designers, other people I knew in the space, was really great. They were interested. They wanted to learn and listen they got in on the advocacy themselves. They started um, other groups to go along with what we were doing. Um, one of those is called Different Play, um, which is a, 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 how do I say this? It's a similar initiative founded by a man named James Stewart, which helps um, minority designers design by giving them um, mentoring. So mm-hmm. all of this stuff was springing up, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there was something else happening in the gaming community. Um, And this was called Gamergate. Um, Are you familiar with this phrase at all? Gamergate? I mean, I've heard of other gates, but not Gamergate. Okay, okay. So (laughs) I'll keep this short. Um, Gamergate was basically (laughs) um, an internet hate mob um, that went around trying to drive women professionals out of the gaming space. Because you can put in whatever reason you want. Um, But it was very serious. Um, The FBI got involved, and they were notorious for targeting small indie women who did not have the support of large companies or whose butts were basically not going to get covered. And so for all of us working in the space at the time, it was very intense because we never knew, is today going to be the day they're going to come after me or they're going to come after you? And there were many times where I actually had to drop whatever I was doing and go to the aid of another woman who had come under attack from them and try to help her out as best I could. Um, And this this went on for like a year and a half, two years. Um, They've mostly lost steam. They're not really a big deal anymore, but a core group of them is still around and still still a big problem. And that is just a part of working in a space as a woman, but especially as a diversity and inclusion advocate, that's just like, you know, public enemy, enemy number one for them. So um, there is a cost and a risk to doing this work, um, but this is exactly mm-hmm. why we have to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to continue this conversation when we come back from break and talk about a little bit about how, you know, if you're a gamer or you're, and you're thinking about designing a game, how you can actually make it more inclusive. So we're going to talk about that when we come back. Stay tuned. the boardroom to you voice america business network tax compliance can be a pain for businesses but avalara's powerful tax automation technology simplifies sales tax and other business taxes with real-time tax calculation and automatic return filing 
It's simple to get started because Avalara works inside your accounting, e-commerce, and point-of-sale systems. That's why thousands of the world's best businesses outsource their tax compliance with Avalara. Shouldn't you too? Learn more at avalara.com. That's A-V-A-L-A-R-A.com. Advance and evolve. Liz Gold, owner of Rhino Girl Media, provides a wide range of services to those looking to get their message out into the world. Her specialty is simplifying the complex, finding the juice in any story, and helping people find their voice. Rhino Girl Media is a communications and media company that promotes the innovative and creative work of business people, independent artists, and nonprofit organizations. For writing, editing, blog posts, web content, press releases, branded content, and consulting, visit rhinogirlmedia.com. Are you a small business ready to work remotely with a CPA who is passionate and radical? New Vision CPA Group is a firm that understands the latest cloud technologies and will work with you for a fixed monthly price. We understand that tax and accounting are important, but the everyday insight into your financial data that helps you make critical financial decisions is priceless. We're with you every step of the way at New Vision CPA Group. Visit NewVisionCPAGroup.com today for more information. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Let's Get Radical with Jody Paydar and Liz Gold. To reach the show today, please call 1 866 472 5790. Again, that's 1 866 472 790. You may also send an email to Jody and Liz at Let's Get Radical.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Let's Get Radical. I'm Liz Gold, and I'm here with Jody Padar. And our guest today is Strix, uh, a gaming guru. And um, so we're talking about gaming as other, you know, a minority advocacy group that Strix founded um, to help people, marginalized people, like actually feel like they can be in gaming and feel safer. So what, you know, if you're a gamer, you know, or you're designing a game and you're thinking about desi- you're thinking about designing a game and you, what how can people make gaming and their games more inclusive oh that's that is what i am an expert on so i'm glad you asked <laughs> <laughs> um so um one way is how you signal the game through art and advertising um is your art inclusive do you have naked women with huge boobs on the front of your cover or do you have people who are reasonably dressed wearing armor who look like real people um, and not sexual objects? Are you marketing your game just to men and boys? Are you marketing it to other segments um, consciously, whether it's women or other minorities, LGBTQ? Are you signaling to them that this game is for them, um, mm-hmm. consciously or unconsciously? Uh, with the gaming content itself, um, I would heavily encourage um, games to think about um, minority settings. And what I mean by that is every game has a setting. It, it exists somewhere in the world, 
and that somewhere has a sociological context. It's in a place and a time with people and a culture. And so if you say deliberately, well, it's this culture with these people, and it's at this time, and you make it so that you're in a minority culture, one that you don't hear about very often, um, it's exposure that shows that, hey, you get it. Now, as part of that, you want to make sure that you get that right. And so that may mean actually speaking to people from that community, or even better, having them write that part of your game so that it is authentic and they're getting paid for their work and their representation. So that's a really awesome way to do it. Uh, and then third is listening to feedback from people who are from minority groups. So a great example of this is a tabletop game which decided that it was going to work with some Native American themes. Um, and they mm. worked with maybe like one Native American writer, but um, the thing that they produced was upsetting to some people from the community. And those people were vocal and were like, hey, we don't think you got this right. And that game company went, aha, we hear you, we're going to change that. And oh, that thank was God. really important for building trust, <laughs> right? Yeah. So now, now it's better, it's a better product, and people from the, those communities know that their opinions are valued and that they're not going to be silenced. So um, yeah. I think that's a quick, you know, down and dirty explanation of like the, the really simple and easy to attain basics of how to make gaming more inclusive yeah. from the creator side. Yeah, and we like down and dirty here, so I appreciate that. And, you know, I think it's, you know, kudos to that game company or those designers that really listened to the Native um, American people because, you know, honestly, like, it could have ended up uh, in a lot worse situation where they were like, nope, this is the way we're doing it. Well, and do you everyone feel like wins. Everyone wins then, right? Because then everybody's happy and more games are sold too. So it really does affect their bottom line when everybody, because mm -hmm. you don't want all the Native Americans like against your game too, right? You want them to help promote it and to sell it as well. You would think. <laughs> but you would I mean, think. <laughs> you know, people tend to do what they want to do. And and um, so that that's a good story. And that, feel, that feels promising. I mean, do you feel like that is help, that is happening or... Um, do you feel like people just go about their business not really, you know, aware of their blind spots? I think it is happening more. Um, I still think <laughs> that there are huge blind spots in the industry, especially on the video game side. Um, but there are a lot of people like me now who are working very hard to enable companies and to give them the tools to do better, mm -hmm. um, to make better games, to make more inclusive games. And we've seen it. Um, one great example is Overwatch. It's a, it's a game by Blizzard. And um, Overwatch decided that, hey, it's going to have characters of different body types, of different age groups. We almost never see old people in games be heroes um, of different um, sexual identities and genders and um, even learning disabilities or um, ethnicities like Overwatch had a new character released a few months ago called Sombra, and Sombra was this Latina hacker, and it was the first time for me, for me as a person, that I saw a video game character like me who was a hero and was cool. Now imagine, mm -hmm. like, if you're, you know, the typical guy who is white and plays games, you see that all the time. I, I am in my 30s, and this is the first time right. it happened, and it was like, this is amazing, and we need much, much more of this. 
Yeah, yeah, we do. We need much more. So, um, Strix, thank you so much for being on the show today. This was fantastic. Where, how can people follow you and get in touch with you? Awesome. Um, it's been a pleasure, Liz and Jody. This has been really fun. Um, you can find me on Twitter. I'm the underscore Strix, S-T-R-I-X. Uh, and I also have my own website where I keep people up to date on what's going on with my gaming work. And that's Strixworks, W-E-R-K-S dot com. Um, those are the two best ways to get a hold of me. You can find my email through those avenues as well. And I'm very open to discussing all kinds of things on Twitter. Um, so that's really like the go-to place. Okay, awesome. great. Great. And um, yeah, thank you all for listening. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook. And you can always get in touch with us at Jody and Liz at letsgetradical.org. We're on iTunes and Stitcher. And we have a whole deep archive that you're going to want to explore. So many small business owners and the people that love them talking about business, talking about creative process, talking about whatever, and um, check it out. And so, Judy, anything else? Did I Leave know? us some love on iTunes. We love reviews. <laughs> uh, we do. Please, you know, we are into feedback. Tell us what we're doing great and tell us how we could work on the show more and what you want to see more of. We're always up open. So, um, yeah, it's been fun. Thank you so much to Strix and we will talk to you next time. Thanks so much for tuning in to Let's Get Radical. Please join Liz Gold and Jody Paydar again next Tuesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. This week, it's time for you to get radical. Let's Get Radical is brought to you by Avalara, sales tax automation for businesses of all sizes. Visit us on the web at avalara.com. That's A-V-A-L-A-R-A.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.